you tip them over, you get there, and in that moment, you're feeling some level of disappointment, call it what you want. How do you look back at that moment now? I look, I look back at it now as that was probably the most ridiculous reaction I could have. Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode, guys. This is number 172, and our guest is Josh Roy. He, like you, is a listener of this podcast, and he reached out to us about a topic that we wanted to talk about um, that he raised, but then in talking to him, he had a great story that relates to it. Um, So we kind of flipped the script on him, and he went from suggesting a topic to us saying, hey, you have some experience, you have a story to tell. Um, some lessons that you've learned. Let's just get you on the podcast to talk about it. So we talked with Josh about an elk hunt that he had. It was a a limited entry hunt. It was a special tag, lots of opportunity, lots of potential for trophies. He had some help. So this was a big hunt. But in the end, as you'll hear about in his story, on this side of the hunt, he has some regrets about how he handled it and the mindset he had going into it. And basically how some of the the trophy aspects of this hunt kind of ruined the experience at some level for him. So this is an interesting topic, one that I think we need to think through ideally in advance, especially if we get that special tag or we have that special opportunity, or even if we're just hunting over-the-counter stuff but tend to get caught up in hunting for score or to impress other people or anything like that. So this is just... One of those conversations that is beneficial to learn from someone who's been there, done that, and has a different perspective on the other side. So thanks for tuning in. As always, you can contact us directly with questions, comments, suggestions by email to podcast at exomontgear.com. Just thanks for the time. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this one and be sure to think about your perspective on hunts. And in the end, guys, we just have to remember that we're doing this to enjoy it. And we're doing this for ourselves, not for anybody else. Here's this conversation with Josh. Josh, uh, excited to chat about, um, you know, it's kind of funny. You you reached out to us about this topic we're going to talk about. And I kind of flipped the script on you and said, well, it sounds like you have some experience there. Let's get you to talk about it. <laughs> um, just go ahead and start with some like personal background just so listeners can kind of get some t- context to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a uh, real small town in eastern Oregon. Um, grew up just hunting with my dad, you know, started at an early age, um, mostly just a rifle hunter, you know, early on, uh, went through, 
went through high school and the, you know, fall athletics and all that, that sort of limited us a bit. We were pretty much weekend warriors. And, uh, after getting out of high school, um, started taking things a little more serious, uh, started bow hunting when I was probably 19. Um, then also kind of went into, got into muzzleloader hunting at the same time, I guess, which kind of expanded some options and, uh, just kind of went from there. I, I went on my first, first out of state hunt when I was 18, I went to Wyoming on a high country mule deer hunt. Um, that was kind of an eye opener back in those days. Uh, the equipment wasn't quite what it is now. And, and, uh, and I really wasn't prepared for it either. I, I had these, these grand views of, uh, you know, I'm going to go to the, going to this far off place. There's going to be all these huge bucks running everywhere and it's going to be easy. Well, uh, as we know that, that isn't always the case. <laughs> so no, that, that was definitely a, an, an eye opener and that, but that was kind of getting my, my, uh, foot in the door. And, and, uh, as far as that type of experience, uh, and, uh, started, started getting into, uh, more of the, the draw type States early, my early twenties probably started putting in for, you know, Nevada and, and Utah and such, uh, started building points in some of those States and, uh, had a few good tags over the years. Um, had, had some decent success over the years. Uh, and yeah, kind of got, kind of got to where we're at now. It's always interesting to hear about those, those first hunts. And it seems like a lot of guys have that grand vision in their head. They end up getting their butts kicked in a lot of ways. It's almost disappointing, but at the same time, instead of being like disappointing and you're down, it's almost, you get disappointed in a way that makes you go like, all right, I'm going to master this. Like I'm going to come back better. Was that kind of your experience? Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It, it was definitely a, a humbling experience. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah, like I said, you know, you go there and I, I had these, it, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be amazing. I'm, you know, I've been used to hunting Oregon and, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go there and it's just going to be so easy. And, you know, and I think I had like a, like a Nike school bag for a, for a day pack, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think as I recall, you know, I had uh for clothing, I, I believe, you know, I had like wool pants that probably weighed 10 pounds, you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a great experience and, uh, it was, you know, it was our, my first backcountry type deal. And, uh, any, anyway, uh, yeah, I came just like you said, you know, a guy come out of there with a little more resolve probably after that. So, yeah, I just always, uh, the more I hear that in the crowd of like backcountry hunters, I'm like, is it, does that a certain, are guys like wired a certain way or what? Cause I've certainly experienced that where I, I think you take your average population and if they go experience something that doesn't meet their expectations, they're just kind of done with it. But for a lot of guys with a hunt, they have this grand vision, they go get their butt kicked. It's not at all what they expected, but instead of being they want more, yeah, they want more. It's like, all right, now I want to go back. And it's like, that's so, you know, the irony there is so interesting to me. It's that I just always come back to that. Is it a certain type of guy or what? Yeah. So as you guys were saying that, I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder, uh, I was thinking there's no hunter ever who's done that and then came out of it and like, ah, no, backcountry hunting is not for me. But then, then yeah. I was like, oh, no, there is. I know some guys that, is. that have done that. And then, you know, but I, I do think the vast majority of us, especially if you're the dude who's willing to take that adventure on to start with, right? Like grab a bow, go to a place you don't know and hike in somewhere. 
you've already kind of got that mindset, right, of of up for a challenge and 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 uh, trying to conquer something. That's yeah. funny, Josh. Steve and I just <laughs> Steve pulled a fast one on me the other day. We were supposed to record a podcast, and he called an audible and and basically interviewed me on my first backcountry hunt, which was uh, not successful. We'll put it that way, but it was a learning <laughs> experience. And I didn't even I don't think I said this in that show, but near the end of that hunt, we ran into some guys who um, they were they were packing in on trailhead, and they were they had their packs on their frames, but they were light. They were going in light. And so I, I stopped them and we were talking to them. And the previous day they had packed out a bowl and now they're they're going back in because they left all their camp up on the mountain. So they're going back in for their camp and their gear and all that good stuff. And the guy who had shot the bull, it was the first elk he had killed with his bow. And he, uh, we were in Colorado. He was a Colorado resident. He had hunted. This was the seventh year in a row he had hunted archery season in state. And it was the first elk he killed. And here I am on my first hunt non-resident have no idea what i'm doing and i just remember thinking i don't care if it takes me seven years like that guy like i'm gonna stick with this thing (laughs) um after and that was like after getting my butt kicked for five days so it's just super interesting how there's that draw there that makes you just want to push against those setbacks yeah for sure tangent aside man um you know we get questions all the time on uh odds and draws and lottery and guys new and trying to understand the system what are just some things that stick out to you over the years if you've uh you know played that game if you will in terms of getting into draws understanding how states work looking at points um just at a high level what are some of the kind of helpful things that you've learned over the years or things that um you look at yeah um so for 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 me and i'm and i'm certainly no expert on this topic but but for me you know there's a few publications or or groups out there i guess you know that that do a really good job of of lining basically these states out um and so if you're if you're totally new to it you know i would suggest um you know maybe maybe signing up with one of those uh you know epic outdoors uh that's jason carter's deal um the hunting pool which is you know is kind of this along the same lines you know and and they do they do a good job of of kind of explaining how because each state is so different right and and you know the deadlines are so different and so forth and and they kind of give you a good overview of of maybe you know kind of what you can expect on draw odds and 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 maybe quality of animal and so forth um and that sort of thing so that's that's kind of where i started was uh i i subscribed to one of those you know years ago and uh and so over t- over the years you know i've become fairly familiar with them, although they, they change regularly too. Uh, and so when I started, you know, I was broke early twenties. Uh, so, so, you know, I had to be fairly careful, I guess, with, uh, with what I chose and, and, you know, in some States you, you have to buy a hunting license and some States you don't. And, and, you know, I've, I've had a, I've had a lot of hunting license that I never hunted with, you know? And so, so for me, that was, that was definitely a factor. Um, when I got started was, was trying to, trying to decide what, what states I could afford to put in for and, and, and so forth. Uh, you know, and a lot of them will, you know, refund your money back to, I use a credit card a lot just because, you know, that way I'm not out of pocket 10,000 or however many dollars each year. And, uh, you know, and they'll, you got to pay your fees and so, and such, but, uh, but you know, that's, that's how I do it. Um, and that's probably, I guess, would be what I would say is a good starting point 
uh, if a guy just wants to familiarize himself with with how the different states work and and uh, kind of give you a, a general overview, I guess. Yeah, no, that's good. What do you have like a high level strategy where you're like just an example? You're trying to draw a quality tag every two years, every three years. Are you focused with like a certain strategy on you know I'm just set on this species, this unit in this state? Or are you just trying to kind of balance out different opportunities? Like how just do you approach it at a high level from a strategy perspective? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so so my my strategy changes year to year and uh and what's what's been my biggest change lately is is I have two two boys who are becoming of hunting age and uh and so now I'm having to work around that as well to make sure that that they get opportunities and 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 that's become probably more important, you know, the last 2 years to me. Uh but yeah, so what I kind of shoot for is is I I hunt I hunt my home state every year. Um typically our general archery season um for elk. And then I guess for my my time off and and budget, you know, what I shoot for is pretty much one one hunt a year somewhere is what I is what I kind of shoot for. Um and and my wife my wife is uh goes with me pretty much on all of them and she has a lot of points in all these and she she hunts as well. So so that's another factor is trying to you know, make sure it's a time we can both go or, you know, what if, what if she draws somewhere and I draw somewhere different, you know, so we, we kind of have to play all that, uh, in, but, uh, that's kind of my strategy is just try to make sure that we can hunt our home state. And then, you know, I sure shoot for one, one good hunt somewhere a year is kind of what I go for. How do you feel? And again, I'm not asking you this cause, uh, I'm just trying to get like an opinion on things. I'm not, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have the answer type thing, but just how do you personally feel about points and creep and the future of what these systems look like in different States? Like, do you think that the way things are going is sustainable? Um, you know, we've had discussions about like, eventually does the point system just get so out of hand that we're going to have to go to something else and go back, you know, to like what Idaho does with a kind of a straight lottery. Just how do you feel about some of those issues personally? Sure. Uh, yes. So my personal feeling on it is, is I think Idaho has it right. Um, I, I think we're already there, honestly, in a lot of places, uh, with the point creep and, and stuff, you know, um, I, li- I live, I live right in the, the, right in the middle of the three hardest to draw elk units in Oregon. And I will never likely be able to hunt them in my lifetime uh yeah, well, just behind those, all points now. You know? those are up to like low 20s in points right sure yep yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We'll miss here. so you know and so uh you know it kind of sucks i mean i as a matter of fact right now all the elk are down they're they're two miles from my house right now <laughs> and i can go i can ride <laughs> out and i can see all these bulls that i'll i'll never be able to hunt you know so um it, it it's i mean you know, I, I know that it's necessary, I guess, in a way, I mean, some form of systems necessary. Right. Uh, but I, I don't know. I feel like Idaho's probably got it right. Um, New Mexico is the same way, you know, with the random draw stuff. Uh, and probably, I guess my, my next pick would be something more along the lines of what Nevada does. Uh, I, you know, they, they do their square root system. And so a guy, you know, you never know necessarily when you're going to draw a tag, but I feel like at least you have a reasonable, 
or not even a reasonable chance. That's probably not the right word. You have a chance, even though I know a lot of these states, you do have a chance in the random, of course. But but I, at least I don't know. I just like Nevada square root system where, you know, each each year you apply, your odds go up exponentially. And uh, I don't know if I guess if a guy has to have a point system, I kind of like that one myself. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you how would you feel? Um, let's say in Oregon, um, especially as a resident. If let's like, let's say you have been collecting points for a dozen plus years and Oregon comes out and says, this is not sustainable. We need to figure out some other solution, um, for the good of maybe your own opportunity, maybe for the good of your son's opportunity. You mentioned they're coming of hunting age. Like, how would you feel someone holding a lot of points? If a state comes out and is like, I'm sorry, but we have to move to a different system. And essentially you're going to forfeit those points. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose that would be a total perspective of where you were at in that for sure. Uh, yeah. I imagine if I lot, I would probably, you know, if I knew I was within a year or two of something really spectacular, <laughs> yeah. I, I would probably have a way different opinion, but, uh, but where I sit right now, I say, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of, in, uh, you know, especially on, on our elk stuff here, I'm kind of, uh, in no man's land there. I'm, I've got more than, I've got more than enough to draw most things and not enough to draw the ones I would ever really want. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I'll, Anyway, that's, I guess, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that would be a, uh, uh, depending on where a guy was sitting in that deal. But, uh, you know, in our, like our bighorn sheep and our mountain goats, um, our once in a lifetime species stuff, you know, we don't have any preference points on that. Um, and, and so, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they went, if they went that way. But, uh, you know, I just, I don't know financially and politically if it would ever happen, I guess, but, uh, yeah. So. So we want to kind of narrow in on a hunt that you experienced and kind of learn how you drew that hunt, how you prepared for it, and then really kind of focus in because you had some thoughts on kind of the mental preparation going into it, but then kind of pressure and expectations and mindset coming out of it. Um, So first, just kind of lay it at a big level. What was that hunt? What was the process for you to get that tag? Yeah, sure. So we're talking about a... uh about a Utah bull tag that I drew. Um, I drew it in 2015 actually. So it's been a few years ago now. Uh, so when I drew that tag, like I said, I started putting in for points in Utah back in the early two thousands. Um, when I started applying there, you didn't have to buy a hunting license. Um, and if, as I recall, I believe I could only put in for one deer elk or antelope and one one uh once in a lifetime species uh similar like i guess what idaho well similar to idaho now but anyway uh so i started putting in for elk and moose of all things uh then and so anyway fast forward several years um i was reading uh, a, a magazine that had draw odds for the for the previous year and i was looking at the hunt i'd been applying for and i'm looking I'm like man i'm getting I'm getting close on points on this. You know, I think I'm going to draw that tag this year. And so I kind of planned the rest of my fall around that a little bit. Luckily, um, I, like I said, I typically would bow hunt Oregon. Um, that year I happened to put in for a rifle permit for a second choice that I, I was fairly confident I would draw. Um, and anyway, I, I remember when the, the prior to the draw results coming out for Utah, um, I, you know, I'm checking my credit card. I, I, everybody's on, you know, online or whatever. They're, oh, they're hitting credit cards or whatever. 
I check my credit card and I, I, I see I have this $800 charge for Utah. And so I'm just like, oh my, at first I didn't know, I didn't know what cost $800 in Utah. So I had to go back and yeah. look at them. <laughs> what is this? I, I, I don't know what I drew. I drew something, but I don't know what it is. And, uh, so I, I look and it was, it was, it was elk and I just, you know, I'm just, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. And, uh, so, so that kind of, you know, that, that started that, I guess, and, uh, started the preparation process, I guess. And, and I, I personally, I, I like going to places I never been. I don't, I don't know. I've had reasonable success doing it. Um, I just like the research part of it. You know, the, the first thing I always do is order paper maps. Um, I like, I just, for some reason, I like paper maps. I use, I use Google earth and all that too, but, um, where do you get your paper maps? Are they just standard like forest service stuff or use one of the custom services? You know, I I've done both, but honestly, usually I'll just, I'll get whatever I can find is the best force, you know, just to kind of get an idea of the the road systems or the trail systems or whatever. I'll get, I'll get a forest service map, maybe kind of, kind of pinpoint maybe more the area I want to go to. And then, um, I have used some of the, the more custom map services, you know, and get maybe, a uh, a, uh, a better quality map of, you know, a, a smaller area, kind of break it down type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, so yeah, so I finally confirmed that I did have the permit and, uh, started making plans. And this one to me was, was a bit different. I mean, I, I've, I'd drawn some, some other tags places before, you know, that had, had required a fair amount of, of points or maybe just difficulty in the, in the draw, you know, a higher quality type tag. I was going at this one a little bit different and I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure why, uh, other than I guess maybe it was kind of that same deal. Like, like that first mule deer hunt I ever went on out of state, you know, where I'm like, I'm going to Utah, you know I mean? This is the land of giants, right? I mean, more 400 inch bulls getting killed there than anywhere and, and all this. And, and so I, I sort of started getting in my own head, I think a little bit about size, like that became my focus. I had to kill this this bull of a certain size. And, and so fast forward a bit, my wife and I made a scouting trip there in August, um, went over the whole unit, just kind of trying to familiarize myself with it, try to figure out maybe where I wanted to hunt, um, and, and stuff, uh, talked to several people throughout the summer who either lived near there or had hunted it, um, got some really good information that way, you know, and, and everybody was sort of telling me the same the same thing, you know, as far as what, what to expect. It wasn't at the, and I guess I should back up a little bit. This was not one of Utah's premier. Well, I'll tell you what unit it was. It doesn't, it's not, I had, I had a Manti muzzleloader tag. And so it wasn't, it's not super, super high on the radar for, you know, quality, I guess, even though for where I came from, it was way more quality. Yeah. And uh, how many points was, how many points were you in on this? So I had 13. 13. Okay. And, and then, uh, come to find out, I didn't even draw it on points. I actually drew it in the random. <laughs> so it, it took 15 that year, as I recall. But, uh, so yeah, so we go there, to, uh, make a quick scouting trip. Um, and then I start, uh, making plans for the hunt. And the, the other thing I did different on this one is I, I started for whatever reason, I started thinking I had to, uh, take more people with me it's like i need more you know i mean you see all these hunts where there's all these people glassing and 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 helping and all and you know and i'm we're pretty i'm pretty low-key i'm pretty private i guess when it comes to that usually it's 
my wife and I, or, or maybe my dad or father-in-law. And that's, that's about it. I don't, I don't go with big groups. I'm not, it's just, I'm more private than that, I guess. But for whatever reason, I start thinking, okay, I got to have all these other people involved. And so I had asked a few uh, buddies to go and, and they did. And, uh, and so, and that was great, but it was just, again, it was kind of out of my, out of my norm, I guess. And, and so was that, um, sorry, not to interrupt you was, was these guys going, I'm assuming probably buddies from at home or close to home, were they giving up some of their hunting time? Did the seasons kind of overlap in that way with what they could have been hunting at home? They did. They did a bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, they did. So they, they were giving up some, some time at home for sure. Uh, and so I guess, and you know, back to the whole pressure preparation part that, that sort of added maybe a little bit extra too, because they were giving up you know, not only time, but I mean, it was, it was was costing them to go essentially. I mean, so there was all these stuff going on, all these things going on, you know, just in the preparation part, uh, that I normally wouldn't even have considered or dealt with, I guess. And, and so, uh, anyway, so the hunt started September 21st, if I recall, right. So like I said, I, I had dropped, in kind of previous preparation, I had drawn an, a later Oregon rifle tag. So, so both both season in Oregon for me was off the table, which was great as far as timing goes. Um, and so anyway, we go, we go back there. Um, the elk are rutting like crazy. It was, it was insane. Uh, and let's see, the hunt started on a Monday, if I remember right. So anyway, we, we go and the bulls are bugling like crazy. All this is happening. The first day, the first day of the hunt, I've got, like I said, I've got about, I, well, let's see, there was, there was six of us that went, uh, and I got guys, you know, oh yeah, there's bulls here. There's bulls here, whatever glass. And, and again, that's just not my, not normally my deal, but are you guys using radios? How are you communicating that? Yeah, we did have some radios. Um, want to say we even had some cell service maybe where a guy could text back and forth or whatever but you know we were gotcha. we were more or less looking at first you know trying to figure out what was there quality wise whatnot um did you have going in i know this is early but did you have a certain you know score in mind or you're just kind of waiting to see what's available how was your mindset on like early in the hunt what you're willing to shoot no that's a, yeah i'm glad you brought that up no i did actually and that was probably also mistake number whatever is is i i was hung up on score i i in my head i was like i wanted to shoot a 340 bull and the the problem with that is is i don't even know if i know what a 340 bull is right i mean <laughs> I'm yeah. not, especially when it comes to to bigger bulls i i've got yeah. some, some big bull sheds in my living room and i was studying them and all this the thing that tricks me with that because i'm not experienced there like hunting and judging and field judging specifically is it's relative right so you might see a 340 bull uh and a not great unit and know it instantly that oh this is a huge bull because you've spent the week looking at smaller bulls versus maybe you go on this hunt where there's much bigger quality and all of a sudden that 340 bull doesn't look that big because you've been seeing just bigger bulls, right? And so if you're not experienced, yeah, it could definitely be difficult. Right, for sure, for sure. So <laughs> uh yeah, and so and so that was that was that was and that I had this number in my head, which again I think that was a, probably my biggest downfall to what what I perceived as success in this hunt is is I had this number and and I mean I use score um you know, 
a lot of guys throw scores around, throw numbers around. And, and I, and I do it to a degree too, you know, but, um, it doesn't, to me, it's not an end all, but, but on this one that it was, it was like, you know, I had to shoot this bull that's going to score this much, I guess, in my head to be successful. And so the first, the first day of the actual hunt, um, was the first time I ever passed up a six point bull. I mean, I just, I don't pass up six point bulls typically. And, uh, we, we, it, you know, it gets daylight. There's, there's bulls everywhere really. Um, and I've got several little six points coming into muzzleloader range and I, I pass them up and, and that was kind of the start of it. Um, and so fast forward a couple of days, kind of had the same type of stuff. We were seeing good bulls, not what I would say were really big bulls. Um, and I get to the, the third, second day, I think it was actually the evening of the second day, my dad, who I'd left up on a ridge glassing, who knows nothing about score, uh, gets a hold of me on the radio and he says, he, he says, Hey, we got, I got some bulls spotted over here. He goes, there's a bull that's, that's three thirty in it. And I'm thinking, you do not know what three thirty is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, but it, it's come to find out there was a, a local who had showed up on this same, same glassing point that he was on. And, and he was the one who's, you know, kind of given him this information. So I'm thinking, well, okay, it's, we'll, we'll hike out of here and, uh, go meet up and we'll see about this. So we go over there and, and sure enough, they're looking at this ridge and there, there's eight bulls on this ridge, um, kind of spread out, you know, in and out of the timber and stuff. So a buddy of mine and I, we went around there we left everybody else sitting over there glassing and uh they call me as we're as we're headed down there and they said hey there's a there's a really good bull on the end of the ridge he's walked into the timber uh we can't see him anymore so i'm like okay so we're we're slipping down this ridge and in the trail ahead of us i see this bull looking at us and all I really remember is that he had a head that looked like a Hereford bull. I mean, it was just this huge face, <laughs> you know, he, he was close. He was like 50 yards away. And I can see one, one antler sticking out from behind a, a tree and he's a good bull. And, and like I said, he had this huge head on him, which probably should have been a good indicator to me at that point that, that, uh, I probably should go ahead and take this pretty serious. And anyway, so I'm sitting there and, and like an idiot, I, I start, I start radioing these guys. Like, are you still see? Cause I, you know, I don't want to shoot the wrong one, right? If there's a bigger one, I don't want to shoot the smaller one. And so I'm asking these guys, can you still see the bull that, that, you know, you originally saw? No, we can't see him anymore. So anyway, in this, I'm, I'm talking to these, talking to other people on a radio why there's a probably, the, well, not probably the biggest bull I could have ever killed is 50 yards away. And he's just standing there and, and he, he comes out and he turns broadside right in the middle of the trail and I'm looking at him, you know, and, and I'm thinking, Oh, his, you know, his, his G twos are a little weak, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I, I decide to let him walk off and, and the guy, the, my buddy that was with me, he's videoing behind me and, and he's whispering to me, you know, the whole time he's like, that's a big bull. That's a big bull. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think that's big enough. And so anyway, I let the bull walk off when, which whatever I, I live with that, but, uh, it was a, it was a good one for sure. Uh, so we go the rest of the evening and I, I actually, I actually legitimately passed up like four more six point bulls that evening. Um, and 
so we get we get all gathered back up. They pick me up way after dark and and everything, and uh, we're discussing um, what we're going to do the next day, and and stuff. And so anyway, we go to a different area the next day, and the next morning, the right at daylight, bulls are bugling like crazy. There's we're kind of in a different area. There's some big sagebrush flats um, with some quaky thickets and things, and I can hear a a, a bunch of bugling up this draw and so i told my wife and the other guy i was with i said i'm i'm just going to go up there and i'm going to check just to go see what these bulls are and so i did i took off and i get i get up there into a quakey thicket and these bulls are there's like three bulls and they're just going crazy i can't see any of them yet but i can tell there's three at least three bulls and they're just back and forth back and forth and they're they're right above me and then I, I hear this bull glunking really loudly and he's, he's coming off the top of this ridge and he's going to, he's going to come right in front of me. And so I, I'm getting all ready and I see him and all I can see is like his tops on one side and I can see both sword tines and he's coming through the quakies and I'm just, I don't know what it was, but it's like, oh, that's, that's the bull. That's the bull right there, you know? And so whatever it was, tripped the trigger and he steps out and without even really giving it much thought, I I shoot and, and tip him over and you know and at first I'm I'm of course excited I mean it was definitely exciting uh and but I, and then it and then it it kind of hits me it's like I don't even know what I shot you know really um and so I get up to him and he's he's a decent six point I mean you know I but for whatever reason at that moment in my head I'm just you know this this was not the bull I came here to shoot, you know? And, and so then I kind of had this, like, rather than, than being excited and, and, and happy, like a guy should be right. And I mean, you have all the feelings that you have when you kill something, but you know, I, I look at this and I'm, and now I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed with myself and, and all this. And so everybody gets, finally gets to me, you know, and they're, they can tell that, that, you know, I'm, I'm not in the best place mentally, I guess at that point, even though it's ridiculous and I should have been. Uh, and so we butcher him and pack him out and, you know, and that was that, uh, I guess, basically, uh, it was kind of a quiet, quiet evening <laughs> rather, rather than be, you know, you guys should be, uh, celebratory and, 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 and excited and everything, you know, it was kind of a quiet evening around camp that night. And, uh, so that's, that's how the hunt went, I guess. So you, you made the decision, like just gut, like you looked at him and just decided this is the one it wasn't, you weren't again looking at like, Oh, his G2s or whatever. You weren't being analytical. You just something in your gut. It was like, that's the one. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, I don't know what, what changed from the night before. Right. Um, why, why I would be so why I could be so picky the night before. And then for whatever reason, this one, like I said, it just, I saw the sword. I mean, he's got big sword. He's got 18 inch sword tines. Um, you just, but you know, and I saw, I, for whatever reason, I don't even, I can't explain it, but yeah, exactly. You touched on it, but I'm just curious. So you you tip him over, you get there. And in that moment, you're feeling some level of disappointment, call it what you want. How do you look back at that moment now? So I look, I look back at it now is that was probably the most ridiculous reaction I could have, you know, uh, honestly, um, it, it definitely 
has changed my perspective actually um from that time forward uh i you know i i i guess i i came out of it saying you know if if shooting a a smaller six point bull than than what i had hoped is the worst thing that ever happens to me i'm probably okay and and so yeah i i i have a way different perspective now um as far as that goes for sure it's such a a slippery slope when you put those expectations on yourself and um man it's it's tough i think that's one reason i always prefer to focus on like the adventure aspect of the hunt and the animal is obviously what you're there after but if you know if you put this pressure on yourself that i gotta shoot this buck and he's 180 and he's 179 and you come out of that with like a bitter taste out of your mouth that's just the very much so the wrong reaction yeah it, yeah. it totally i agree yep yeah. exactly and that's exactly basically exactly what i experienced yeah yeah it's like a um you know you're in this country you've you've gotten this special opportunity it sounds like you're in bulls they're everywhere they're fired up you're you have the luxury of being picky choosy right like that alone should be like holy cow this is amazing right like just the opportunity the experience the enjoyment um and it it's it is wild and i i'm not faulting you at all for um that disappointment because i think a lot of guys would tend to be there but just it's easy to say this removed right years later and me saying this not ever being there going through that to be like it it just gives me context for future opportunities of if there's a special tag a special opportunity a special whatever value that for what it is not for the trophy class but just for the opportunity to be there and do that type thing right absolutely absolutely what other what other, what else sticks out um from that hunt just in terms of lessons learned doesn't have to be just about the whole you know expectations and pressure certainly can be but just what are some of the other lessons that you've pulled from that experience now looking back at it three years later four years later yeah so so I, one thing one thing i definitely took away from it was uh you know irregardless of of uh of what permit you may have or or whatever for for me anyway you know i i will i'll approach everything now as as i'm just going elk hunting or i'm just going deer hunting right i mean there's i I won't do anything i won't think i need to do anything extra or different you know i'm we have we have a reasonable success just doing what we do and so i don't see any reason to change that not 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 that i not that I regret having, you know, these extra buddies go along with me. They were great. Um, but that added a bunch of extra, uh, just whether it be call it pressure or whatever logistic. I mean, you know, I, that whole side of it, you know, I, I went, I just did things differently than what I would normally do. And so, so one thing I learned from that is, is I won't do that anymore. Um, you know, irregardless of what I'm doing or where I'm going, uh, that was definitely one thing I, I took from it. Um, and and then another thing I took from it is is I I don't put near as much emphasis necessarily on specific size. I mean I still I still am you know I I just I like hunting mature animals. I'll say that um you know I I went to Wyoming this year and 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 hunted Region G and I didn't go in there with a with a you know size an inch number in my head. I won't I won't do that anymore. But 
I still went there going, you know, I've killed a lot of decent bucks and, and I'm not going to shoot one unless it is a, a solid mature buck. And, and I came home empty handed and that was fine. Um, you know, we had a good, we had a good time and, and, uh, everybody else did, did well. And, and that was fine. So, so, you know, those are a couple of the, probably the main things that, that I took away from it. Uh, that, and I guess also the, the other thing is, is, uh, the social media deal a little bit. Um, you know, prior, prior to this Utah hunt, uh, you know, I, I would occasionally, I still, I never really have been big into it. I haven't posted a ton of pictures or, or of, of successes or, or anything like that. Um, I would occasionally put a picture here and there, but you know, I went into that hunt with that, like really being on my mind, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, everybody, not everybody, a lo- uh, you know, people, I guess in my, my circle or whatever, you know, they know I have this tag. Um, and I think I had even posted that on Facebook. I drew this, you know, I drew this Utah tag. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, people, Oh, you know, you're going to go there. It's going to be a fantastic, you'll kill this giant bull, whatever. And, and so that was on my mind. It's like, Oh, I, you know, I got to kill a bull Facebook worthy or, or whatever. <laughs> and, and, uh, so that, that's definitely too something that, you know, uh, anymore, I, I don't really get too concerned with that for sure. Um, I mean, I like, I like looking at everybody else's pictures and that that's great. But, uh, for me personally, I don't, I don't post much of my stuff on there anymore. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how the social media has affected hunting and hunters and even for guys who, uh, they're not like in the spotlight, like they're not a guy with a TV show or whatever, but just even as you mentioned, a lot of, a lot of just regular guys are in a network of hunters and follow other people and people follow them. And there's a weird, there's a weird dynamic there for sure. Right. Steve, I know that you've like, take your mountain goat, right? Like that's a special opportunity. Do you have similar like lessons or thoughts, uh, looking back at that mountain goat hunt or anything to pull, um, from that hunt kind of on this topic? Um, yeah, I mean, my hunt was, um, similar in, in a, in a bittersweet fashion and that I ended up having to, to kill the goat with a, to finish him off with a rifle. You know, I'm obviously a dedicated archery guy and to make a bad shot on that, uh, and then have to, to end up finishing him off with a rifle. That was like, Oh, that was gut wrenching. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't a good feeling. I mean, I was glad and, and ecstatic to, to recover the animal and be standing over him. But, um, it, I remember cause we filmed that whole thing and, um, and then it took like, I think I sat on the footage for three years cause I just had this like, you know, just bad taste in my mouth of how that all went down. I mean, it's reality and it happens. And, um, you know, for, I was fortunate that it was a, a, a hunt I could use a rifle on. So my buddy was packing one and as a backup just in case and end up having to grab it and use it. But, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, Idaho, that's a, that's a once in a lifetime tag. So there's a lot of pressure to, um, you know, for me it wasn't, I didn't put a lot of emphasis on killing the biggest Billy on the mountain. I just wanted to, I, I did want to kill a mature one. Um, but I, I remember specifically just like constantly pausing myself and trying to like, instead of being like so focused in on staring through the binos or spine scope, trying to find an animal, I'd stop and like look around and, and try to appreciate like what was around me. Right. I was in the freaking white cloud mountains of Idaho, some of the most beautiful country there is. Um, but it's hard. It, it's a, you kind of got to 
you know, that's all this pressure of, of like, you know, you, you've got this great elk tag and, and you want to kill a great animal, but at the same time, um, you know, I think you got to look at why you're hunting and that's to be out there enjoying it. Right. I mean, it's enjoy the process, uh, the work, just, you know, backpacking into a beautiful country. Um, and you got to forget about some of the other stuff that puts those pressures on you of, of, you know, like you're saying of, of, uh, what what people are going to think of if you kill a 320 bull versus a 340 bull or something so it's um yeah i think you just gotta it's one of those things you just gotta keep stepping back and appreciating just how lucky we are and uh, how lucky you are to be in that situation at that time josh just uh just to wrap up and thanks for the time man i'm just curious and this is a total shift in gears but um what comes to your mind in terms of how do you approach a hunt differently for elk with a muzzleloader versus say archery? Like what are, I know there can be a lot of similarities and in a lot of States there's similar opportunities in terms of time of year. And so there's crossover and tactics, but what differences stand out to you with muzzleloader versus archery, if any? Yeah. Um, so, so for, for me, uh, the, the muzzle, the, the, the main difference for me, I guess is, without talking about like weapon specific, I guess, is it, is the, for one, the opportunity side, right? So, you know, there's a lot of people aren't into muzzleloading as much, I guess, even though I think it's becoming more popular. Um, so I look at it a little bit as it, as it increases my opportunities to, to maybe be able to, to get some of these higher quality areas or, or whatever, maybe not even necessarily higher quality, but, uh, you know, just more opportunity, but then weapon specific, I, I, you know, I think they both have their, you know, obviously I got a little more range with the muzzle loader. Um, but also my bow goes off every single time. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so th- there's, there's, you know, a lot of people, I- I've talked to a lot of people about it, you know, and they, they, they say that they're like, you know, well, that muzzle loader, you know, you can shoot twice as far. And I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, you probably can, but <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot to consider with it too, you know, weather and moisture and, and everything. And and I still too. So, so Utah has pretty liberal rules when it comes to muzzle loading. Um, you know, as far as the, the sabbated bullets and, and inline ignition systems and such. And, and Oregon is more like Idaho. We're more traditional. And so when I drew that tag, I've got an old, uh, I got to shoot a Lyman deer stalker, um, you know, hammer lock style. And, and so when I drew that tag, everybody's, you know, they're, oh, you need to put a scope on it and you need to, or, you know, get a different one with a scope. You can, I think in Utah, you can have a scope, but it can't magnify or something like that. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, nah, I'm just going to stick with what I know. So that was maybe one thing I did, right. <laughs> was, was I did. Stick with that. Uh, and so, so anyway, I, I, yeah, that's probably the main the main differences, I guess, weapon wise are how I prepare, you know, I mean, I shoot, I practice with it just like you would with, with anything else. Um, you know, and I'm comfortable with, with my muzzle loader, probably not much further than, than you could be comfortable with a bow. Honestly. Um, you know, I shoot, I shoot it accurately, probably at 125 to 150 yards, but, but, uh, but no, that's other than that, like you said, like this one, especially this hunt, especially this, the timing, the season was, was pretty much very similar to an archery hunt. Um, you know, we were pretty much peak rut there and, uh, and I just treated it as such, treated it like a bow hunt and, and the bull I killed, he was like 50 yards away, you know? So, I mean, I was within bow range pretty much anyway, but cool, man, Josh, uh, thanks for the time. Thanks for just, you know, the honesty of how you look at that. Cause I think it, it's helped me and I know it's going to help a lot of guys. So just, uh, thanks for coming on and sharing that with us. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you receive all future episodes. We have some great stuff in the works that you don't want to miss. And as always, you can contact us directly to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Shoot us an email if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or anything of the like. We'll see you next week.